Well, hello, everyone. Let's open with prayer. Father, we come unto you as we move again into the Psalms, Psalms that were written for us, for encouragement, for direction, for just plain honesty. And Lord, it's so easy for human beings to cry out, to fill a hopeless sense, and and then to find victory in you. Lord, we just thank you that these Psalms are getting our eyes where they should be. So now we pray as we go into this particular one, Lord, of Psalm 30. Lord, I just pray that you will just help us concentrate and see these few verses and maybe even relate to our particular need today. And we will give you all the praise. Amen. So this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it's all that I need. Now, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 30. And I hope you're in a comfortable chair and that you can just listen and, and kind of follow through and with your questions. And I just think this is such an opportunity, again, to, to really quietly concentrate on what God is trying to say to you and I. So let's move into the psalm. First, the first verse, I will exalt you, O Lord, says David. David wrote this psalm. And he just breaks into this exaltation. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and you did not let my enemies gloat over me. So he breaks into this exaltation and that truly means he's lifting God up. He's putting him in a high reverence, a greatly reverence place. And so he is just kind of seeing the Lord in his place, as we need to do every now and then. We need to just kind of take the time to just take a look at, at who he is and where he is and, and that he is watching and listening. And this is what these Psalms are really trying to get us to see. Because David, it's like his realization, like, Lord, I exalt you because look what you did for me. David knew that the Lord established him as king over Israel. He knows no one else did that. He was just a shepherd boy. And now he's in this place of king over Israel. Only God could do that. He knew that the kingdom belonged to God. That even though this kingdom of Israel was, was a, a great kingdom and that he was going to be a great king, he knew that this kingdom was God's. He knew that God did want him to do something very important, and that was to, to keep using him to bring the people closer to God. God knew how important it was to have a leader that would continuously be bringing the people closer to God. So David, he did see his responsibility. And he did not exult in himself. I mean, I think this is very important that we see this. And now he did run amok with this a couple of times. But right here, we see him exalting the Lord, realizing that he's in this position for the Lord's sake and his alone. So he did not exalt himself, but God alone. So he was just really praising the Lord for the work that God was doing in his life. And then in verse 2, Oh Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. 
oh Lord, I called to you for help. You know, David is very honest. And he also knew that even though he knew that he was in this position, he was put there by the Lord, for the Lord, he also knew that, that there were some, some down times. Life just does that. And he had enemies. And he knew that there was going to be trials. And he would have a tendency, human nature will do that, to kind of sink you into the depths, kind of sink you into a funk. And he is saying, I want to exalt you, O Lord, because my enemies did not win. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. They did not win. But, oh, Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. He, he knew that the realization is, is that life does cause this to happen once in a while, and you need to reach out to God. You need to stay dependent no matter who you are, no matter what your earthly position is. We all need to stay dependent on the Lord and call to him for help, call to him for healing. Oh Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. It sounds like this was a real serious time for David. But I'm just going to kind of Instead of talking about David here, let's talk about what this psalm might mean for you and I. You know, are we exalting him? And why? Are we lifting him up high into his proper position and place because of what he has done for us? Because he has lifted us from the depths. The depths of what? The pit of what? Of sin of hopelessness, of being completely lost and doomed. And was there a day, can you honestly, can you say that there was a day that you cried out to him and you said that my enemies did not have a chance to gloat over me? Because, you know, that's what Satan does. He loves to gloat over us if he knows he's got us in his grip. And so, do we know how necessary it is to keep going to the Lord and calling out for help and to see that he heals us? And, and what does that mean? And we'd love to always think that that means he will heal my physical body. But, you know, we've said this so many times, that God is not as concerned about our physical bodies as we are, as much as we are. So when he talks about our healing, when he talks about our desperation, when he reminds us of where we once were, that we realize that he has healed us from the worst disease of all, and that is our sin. And he spared me from going down into the pit. Yes, salvation has spared me from going down into the deepest of, of, of pits, hell itself. So did you catch that? Did you catch those few verses as we apply it to ourselves? When was the last time that you did exalt him, that you raised him up, that you sensed that what salvation did for you was lift you from the pits, that he healed you from your sin so, so salvation is possible? 
that he brought us up from the, from the grave, from eternal death, so now we can experience abundant life now and eternal life someday. That our enemy cannot gloat over us anymore. That Satan does not have us. Now he can still work on us, but he does not have us. He did not win. In fact, when I look at that, I think, look what grace has done, undeserved favor. Look what grace has done. I mean, it lifted you and I from the pit of hell, from the very ditch of sin, from the bondage of what doubt and fear can do. I think to myself when I, when I just take the time and comprehend that a little bit more, no wonder the very next verse is sing to the Lord because why aren't I singing? I mean, I know that this doesn't literally mean that we are supposed to be singing 24-7, but, but our heart should be. And that when, when it is an opportune time that we, yes, we can sing because do you ever catch yourself when you're singing a song that just ministers right to your heart? Like, for an example, after reading these first three verses. I mean, the song that came to my mind, this verse that came to my mind was, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin has been erased at the cross, not in part, but the whole. Yeah, that sin was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. See, certain songs like that move us, and that's good. But I think David here is trying to set us down and say again, and this is what psalms are so good about, just sit and think about where you are, what he's done, and let your heart sing. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. In fact, I think David is so excited. He is saying, I'm not the only one that should be singing. All of us should be singing. Praise his holy name. He is worthy. Verse 5, for his anger lasts only a moment. His anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. His favor lasts a lifetime. In other words, yes, he is, he is angry. He is upset with our sin. He does correct us. He does discipline us. But that only lasts for a moment until he accomplishes what he needs to do. But look what, this, look what David says. But have you thought about it? His favor on you, his love on you, lasts a lifetime. It lasts forever. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. What a beautiful way 
to express that, yes, sometimes when we are in the middle of our sin or when we're in the middle of our, our circumstance and all has a tendency to, to look so bleak, it's kind of like David said, just remember, night doesn't last forever. Nights don't. Nights turn into mornings. Weeping turns into joy. And you know that verse, and I'm just going to kind of reiterate it. I'm going to read it to you because, yeah, you do. You know it. And that verse in Lamentations Verses 22, 23, 24, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, that's what David said. When was the last time you really thought about it? Yeah, sure, he does get upset with us, and he should be. It's like any parent with a child when they go astray. But yet his love for his, us, his compassion for us, his faithfulness, his favor on us lasts for a lifetime. And that if we really think about it, nights do not last forever. Such a powerful, hopeful verse that sometimes in our darkest times, we know that because of our faith in the Lord Jesus, because of our relationship with God Almighty, that we can definitely say, yep, weeping is going to last for a night. Yep, this, this is part of life. But it can always count on joy coming in the morning. Joy will come. Verse 6, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Again, David's honesty. The King James Version says, in my prosperity, I said, I will never be shaken. I read a quote, and the quote said, we are never in a greater danger than in the sunshine of prosperity. Let me say that again. We are never in greater danger than in the sunshine of prosperity. I mean, in our human nature, we think, well, that's the, that's the most glorious time of life, isn't it? Isn't that, that's when I'm the happiest. And that's true. Yeah, that's when you're the happy, happiest. Because why? Everything is going our way. I mean, we're living in the sunshine of prosperity. But yeah, we are never in greater danger. And I think David puts this in verse 6. He felt a false security because all was well. His enemies were at bay, yet all he had to do was look around and see his prosperity, his riches, his position, and he started getting lax. And then verse 7, O oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. When you favored me. He, it's like he confessed. He confessed that, O oh Lord, when you, when you did it, I, I have to constantly be reminded that anything that's good has come from you. I've got to learn this again and again because I have a tendency then to kind of think that it could be a little me. And if David had that problem, I think all of us can fall into that trap. 
It's like when he, when he confessed, oh, Lord, when you favored me. Oh, that's right. It's you that gave me all of this. Just like what we said at the beginning of this lesson. I exalt you because you're the one that took me from the shepherd's field. And you put me into the king's domain. You made my mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. It's like he was saying, you know, when I fell into that, when I fell into myself, my human nature, then it's like I sensed that you were hiding your face. Now, you know, God doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not playing when, when you hid your face. I was dismayed. I mean, he is not playing games here. God isn't playing games. David didn't want to play this game. He learned something. He says, when, when I was in that place of self, I felt like you were hiding your face from me. I was dismayed. I didn't like it because look, because look at what David says in verse 8. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. It's like he didn't like that place. He, he didn't like that feeling of that, that he had that broken relationship with you. That he didn't like that he was having that sense of God has hidden his face from me and I don't sense that closeness. God means it. David says, what gain is there in my destruction? Am I going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? I mean, now, now David is... He's pretty much just kind of rationalizing. He's trying to rationalize. He, he's trying to say to God, what good am I dead? You know, he knows, he knows that God doesn't play games, and he also knows that sin, self, can break the fellowship in favor. And so now he's rationalizing with God, pretty much saying, what good am I? What good, what good can, can I do if, if you're not there, if I'm dead? If, it's like he's trying to make some arguments in his defense. But you know, you just, I think we all try to do that. We try to rationalize, we try to defend ourselves and I mean, in these verses, in these short few verses, I see such a back and forth, back and forth. But that's good because that's how it works. I mean, we can start the day so right on and then something happens and then self gets back in the way. And I think that the jumping of these verses from one way to the other, is that's just the way it is. And then when we fall into ourselves, then we try to, like I said, rationalize or defend and but I just love verse 10. It's like in this short psalm, this back and forth, back and forth. David finally says, hear, O Lord. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. It's like all of a sudden the rationalization stopped. 
the defense stopped. And all of a sudden, he just kind of put himself back into that surrender, his place. This psalm is such a psalm of keeping God in his place, and we stay in ours. And this back and forth, back and forth just shows what we try to do. But in verse 10, it's just like you can almost see his, his, his whole position, just, you know, his whole demeanor. Just kind of like relax. Oh, hear me. Hear, hear, oh Lord, and be merciful. I, I know what I'm trying to do here. Oh Lord, you be my help. Because no one can fight me. No one can fight me and win other than you. Because Satan loves it when, when I am trying so hard to control my own life. But Lord, I need your help to be able to control me. I think this one verse, in fact, this is, I started, I underlined it, I did everything because I want, I want the Holy Spirit to be able to help me recall this verse. Because I think it's the best verse, not only for David when he takes another look at himself and realizes the games that he's, he says he's not playing, but he is. But the no-nonsense God that doesn't play games just kind of confronts him and he sees again what he's doing. And then out comes verse 10. So not only is it, great, is it a great prayer for, for you and I, for David, when self just keeps trying to stick its way in there. But I wrote a couple other things down. It's a great prayer for a minister to pray right before he preaches to his congregation. Isn't, wouldn't that be something if, if your pastor, right before he preached, said, hear, O oh Lord, and be merciful to me. O oh Lord, be my help. What about a person who is suffering on, on his bed of pain. When it seems like you just, you just can't take it anymore and you just want to throw in the towel, you just want to let go and it's just to be able to, you know, every, every morning when, when you have to deal with, your, with your, either your disease or to be able to say the words, here, O oh Lord, Oh, hear me, and you know he is. Be merciful to me, and oh, Lord, be my help today. Get me through another day. What about the hard worker, the hard worker in his field of service when the hours are long, the, the appreciation is very little, and when, again, self-tendencies want to take over to be able to say, before you start your job, before you start your service, Lord, help me. Because I want to do this for you. This is not about me. What a great prayer for a believer, for a believer and yet facing a temptation. I mean, the temptation is smack in front of your face. 
and it is appealing so to you. You just want to succumb to the temptation so badly. And to be able to know that there is no temptation too great if I go to the Lord for my way of escape because the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear that the consequences are plenty. To let the Holy Spirit override your flesh, your own human feelings and your own human wants and to be able to turn away because you've prayed here, O oh Lord, and be merciful. I need your help, O oh Lord. Only you can do this. It would be a prayer for any one of us to pray before an adversity. It's just such a small little verse, and yet... I think it can change our behavior, our reactions, our attitude. So, then we move to verse 11. Look what happens when you do it right. I mean, it's like the Lord understands our nature and he knows that we're going we're gonna to fall into these these kinds of life experiences and it's sometimes our feelings then start getting bigger than our faith. The Lord understands us and knows us so well. But look what he's willing to do when again we've talked about our relationship is healthy when both sides are working. God wants us to see that he always says I will bless bless obedience. I will always bless obedience, God says. And his, his blessings when we obey, I mean David writes it. You turned my wailing into dancing. Look what God can do. Look what God promises to do. You do it the right way. You obey me. I will see to it that Turn. I can turn your hopelessness into hope. I can turn your sorrow into joy. No, I might not be happy, but joy. I can turn your loneliness and have you again be reminded that my presence is with you. So when you're wailing in hopelessness, I can change that. I can turn that into dancing. It's like you can almost hear David say, you did it again. You did it again. You removed my sackcloth, my down, my disappointment, my depression, my, my darkness. See, this can happen to the best of Christians because we are in this war, this battle with ourselves. And David writes these psalms to remind us, I get it, I understand, and I want to write it down because this is just the way humans work, but this is also our God. And look what he can do. 
If you just choose to go to him and say, here, oh Lord, be merciful. I am falling before you. I know what I can't do, but I know what you can do. Lord, you be my help. He can remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. That my heart may sing to you. See, when you're in that, when you're in that pit of despair, when you are, when you are caught in that self-feeling, that overwhelmed feeling, you can't sing. You certainly don't feel like singing. That's why see. At the beginning of this psalm, when did David feel like singing? When did he want all of us to sing with him? When we remember what God has done. When we remember how he saved us. And he, and he changed our whole future. He changed our whole life now. If we're willing to let him transform us. See, but you lose that singing when you get caught up into yourself. And all of a sudden, the wailing comes. All of a sudden, the sackcloth comes on. But when you dare say, here, oh Lord, have mercy. I see what I've done again, again. Oh Lord, you be my help. Then, look, your heart wants to sing again. That my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. You know, things of this life, I mean, up and down, change after change. And yet, who God is and what he promises will never change. So, I would say, let's keep this in mind. And we start feeling our human nature start to sink in our circumstances and start to take our song away. May we remember who he is and what he's done for us. Do you remember that old song that says, in my heart there rings a melody? It was such an upbeat, old-fashioned song. A melody of love. You remember how much he loves you and how he's available for you. But he does give us the ability to choose which way we want to go, our own way or his. But may this psalm really show us the difference. It is our responsibility to continue to keep him in his place and keep ourselves in our own. And that place is underneath him. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's a fact. I pray he's your Lord today. May we exalt him. May we put him high. He is the only person that deserves that position because he's the only one that could save you and I. Father in heaven, we thank you for this simple psalm. 
that just shows us how we are back and forth, back and forth. We are in a constant fight with what our own self wants to do and feel compared to what the Holy Spirit wants to put in our ear so that we know what you have promised. And we can handle life situations every day so differently when we keep you in, our, in the proper place and we stay in ours. We exalt you, oh Lord. We lift you high. That is your place. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen.